I was scribbling in my notes. And I was like, because you know, it's like I, I tried right to- here, cut into my arm. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 oh man, why, why does Future Mike have a scar on his arm? That kind of thing, just crazy. No, Future Mike's wearing bandages. Past Mike has a has a has a scar. No, that doesn't work. It's the other way around. We gotta and- do more of like a mentalist stage show where like. You FedEx me your G1 score, but you did it like six weeks ago or like yes. don't open until 2023 uh, back to the future. Yeah. yeah. Are Union. you Marty McFly? We we had a bet around the office that you wouldn't even be here. Doc's alive! He's 7.76! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, kid, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> it means uh, I just watched Transformers animated. Yeah. What's oh. alive? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, yeah, I love it. Let Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Autobots, transform and roll out. For another thrilling episode of Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers, where you are Mike and two guys who have almost the same name talk about Transformers Animated one episode at a time from two different points of view. My name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers Animated in its entirety before this project. And joining me on this animated adventure is serial rewatcher, Transformers Animated super fan, my spark soul brother. It's Michael Andrews. Hello, hello. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me as usual. Yeah, man, this is this is a big one today. I you could say that it's all been leading to this. I'm super yeah. excited. Uh, so we are going to be talking about the two part season one finale, Megatron Rising uh, parts one and two, respectively. Man, it's it's all been leading to this. I I got chills. I got chills just thinking about it right now. <laughs> You know, later on when we get into the episode discussion, I'm going to call out a lot of my viewing experience of watching this episode. (laughs) But for now, I'll leave it with like there were several times where I'm glad I was in a room by myself after hours with nobody around because there was just like a like, oh, my God, it's (laughs) happening. (laughs) I love I love this version of you where you like have this explosive reaction. Action, and then you run back to quick, write some liner notes, yeah. stage direction, like jump out of a seat here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, spoilers alerts. There are many times in my notes where I write in all caps, holy shit, exclamation point. Oh, yeah. So that is definitely a thing. Um, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know if I, I have a little bit of like the summer ending blues a bit. I mean, I I loved my summertime. I'm, But I, you know, I'm wearing a hoodie right now. I like that we're getting into that, the September weather a little bit not to not to pre date our evergreen show but uh i like this time of year i'm getting excited 
Yeah. And I guess know, we already dated a little bit with uh, your birthday episode. So people know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They do know what time it is. And it is it is officially fall. We just had the the first day of fall uh, not too long ago. It is currently raining here in Seattle to the surprise of absolutely nobody. It doesn't rain here as much as you think, but that, that's that's yes. neither here nor there. Somewhere in the sky, Black Arachnia has plugged the key into her device and is spreading her cyber venom. The trees are turning. Yeah, uh, it's all coming full circle. Oh, that's a, and so that that make me a, a wizened little munchichi, a little, little sorry, Sumdak uh, Yoda looking yeah. uh, zombie. Old creature. lady, sorry. Old lady, sorry. Exactly. Uh, get off my lawn, <laughs> you darn kids! You're a kid, just an old lady kid. It's very weird. She spits in the punch bowl, and her dentures come out. Speaking of spitting in the in the punch bowl, I, uh, you know, so in our last episode, when nature calls, we talked about my birthday. It's interesting how birthdays have become so thematic to the the fiber of this show, because <laughs> we both you and I, Michael Anders, we're, we're both a. Uh, unabashed birthday divas so yeah, i little birthday I, boys yeah so we're 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 recording when we're recording this it's still september so it's it, so for me it's still my birthday month so i still got them uh yeah. them hopping up and down uh, uh birthday diva vibes but yeah so I, I i did before we got uh uh too much further into the meat of things because we we've got We've got a whole lot to talk about. It is going to be a yeah. jam-packed show. But I did want to follow up um, a little bit on my birthday celebrations. And the prophecy was fulfilled. I don't know if folks saw this on our Two Mics, Two Furious uh, social channels. I put it. I think I put it on the Instagram also at uh, Two Mics, Two Furious with twos, number twos. But I did indeed on my birthday toy hunt, I found a G2 Universe Grimlock, the Tiger Force Grimlock from Walmart. And I uh, I dressed for the 90s that day because like <laughs> I had I had a very loud I shirt on. I got the uh, Melon Mountain Dew and I got my Tiger Force Grimlock, that Legacy Evolution Walmart exclusive uh, G2 Universe Grimlock. And that thing is, you you get the thing out of the box and it feels like, uh, Vincent Vega opening up the briefcase in Pulp Fiction because like that that <laughs> thing that thing is just screaming yellow. We talked a lot about that lemon sideswipe that's just so yellow. Grimlock is the same thing, but it's a giant chunky ass leader class figure. So it's just like you know, like the the bright yellow and the teal tiger oh, yeah. stripes. It is it is an amazing figure, Gorgeous. and I am uh, I am so glad I found it. So I'm basically line complete. At least, well, as far as I want to be, because now I've got uh, Grimlock, Toxitron, Cloud Cover, Melon Mirage, uh, Orange Crush Jazz. I got him off a of pulse, and uh, and of course, nice. um, uh, Lemon Sideswipe. Um, the only two I didn't get, and don't plan on getting, is the uh, sprite colored laser cycle. I don't care for the mold. I have no attachment to the character. I don't care. And Fruit Punch Dead End is impossible to find. And quite frankly, even whether he's hard to find or a shelf warmer, I really don't care because the reason why I like those other characters is how loud the colors are. It's just Dead yeah. End in a slightly brighter red. Yeah. 
it's uh, like the the burnt maroon. It, he's more of a you know Hawaiian punch, fruit punch, more electric red. But it's uh, as I put in a post somewhere, it's not quote unquote out there enough for for my taste. Whereas all right. of the other ones are just just crazy bright and neon. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you could drink the other ones, and that one not so much. I think is the yeah. <laughs> differentiator there. Exactly. I know I've been comparing them to like fruit juice or something. I feel I it makes me like viscerally thirsty now when you talk about the toys well absolutely i mean they they all have like candy juice flavors it's like you got right. <laughs> you, you got a you got a blue raspberry ramjet you got a a watermelon mirage a orange crush jazz a a lemon sideswipe a a lime a lime prime and uh and toxitron uh Grape and lemon, I guess. He's basically Kachukkan colors. Yeah. And I don't know why I would call uh, Grimlock because, like, he's kind of the same color scheme as Sideswipe, just just bigger mm. and, and a dinosaur. So I guess he's he's right. he's uh, kind of like a lemon Baja blast as, as well, I guess. Yeah, there we go. So there you go. <laughs> there we ew, go. Ew, lemon, lemon Baja Starburst, but, maybe. Yeah, Something there good. you go. There you go. But anyway, terrific toys. I'm very grateful that I've acquired him. And... I will be honest. I I need to slow the hell down on uh, on toy buying. Unrelated to Transformers, uh, Target has been putting a bunch of stuff on clearance lately. So I've been cleaning up like on GI Joe Classified series. I got myself mm. like a got myself like a scrap iron for half price, and oh, nice. uh, and and some Star Wars stuff too. I got I got myself a Cobb Vanth V Cad Bane two pack. Uh, for for half price, and so I have more toys than I need. Like it's to the point where I was like, ah, maybe I need to slow down. <laughs> but well, yeah, it's- I think that's part of the birthday letdown experience, right? You got to go hard in the lead up to your birthday, and then you have to go whoa, whoa, and pump the brakes uh, so that you can appreciate it all next year when you inevitably do it again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Let me let me ask you quick. Have you read the Transformers versus G.I. Joe Tom Scioli kind of it done in that like retro 80s comic book style? I really have, hand drawn kind of feel it. The, the, the art is spectacular and gorgeous yeah. and, and transcendent. I have um, I have a really hot take and I hope this doesn't get me too much heat. It's um, it's a little too weird for my taste. Like it's very weird. I mean, I, I, I was all for it initially. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think I actually finished the miniseries. So I I was buying them Mm. single issue. And maybe like if I picked up a collector's edition, like a trade paperback and went through it, maybe it would resonate a little harder, but like I was having a really hard time with it. Like it was fun. Again, the art is incredible, but like, I need kind of a cogent, coherent story. And it's yeah. just just too bonkers for my taste. I will say, however, speaking of Tom Scioli, I, I love the hell out of that GoBots miniseries he did in that oh, same yeah. in, in that same style. So I, I, I can't I can't articulate what the difference is uh for like why Transformers versus G.I. Joe was too weird for me, but GoBots is like just weird enough maybe it's because it's one of those things since gobots is a little more of a dormant property i feel like you have more leeway to go buck wild with it 
So I think I was yeah. open to it. I don't have a whole lot of tether or nostalgia for GoBots. So I was more interested in, in a gonzo take and it and it doesn't disappoint. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I think you nailed it because I think part of it is Transformers versus G.I. Joe was a longer run or planned to be a longer run. So I think that was that kind of led to the nature of, well, we can start a little more disjointed. We're going to get we're going to get back to this, but not for several episodes, whereas the GoBots thing was a planned consolidated five issues or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say, I think with your kind of coming back to like G.I. Joe's and kind of getting a little more nostalgic about the 80s ones and, and what we've been doing with Transformers. Like, I th I wonder if it's time for you to revisit like the collected edition as you were talking about, because I, I have the I didn't read it, any of it until the hardcover came out that collected the whole series. And I was able to read right through it. And I was like, wow, it was really mm -hmm. powerful storytelling. And I've come back to it a few times. So and I also think there's some really like Floro Dairy-esque art in there that kind of speaks to the concept art from the TF-86 movie. I've always wanted to talk about it with like you and uh, the APDC guys, but yeah, yeah. you guys haven't gotten through the series. so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you're right. I, I think if I pick up a collected edition and I do it in one shot, I think it would resonate harder with me because like, and if I remember correctly, those issues didn't necessarily ship regularly. So it would be like, you know, one month, then maybe a couple months, then maybe a few months. So it was it, it was kind of disjointed from like a release uh, schedule perspective as well. And I think that sure. kind of influenced my feeling on it as well at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enough of that. Sorry. I just I've always no, been no, curious good. about that. I'm glad we brought it up. But yeah, I, but absolutely. you just had a birthday. Your show just had a birthday. MSRP. Yeah, yeah. So we we just recently had a celebration live stream for episode 400 of my other podcast that you had the opportunity to be a part of. Thanks for being my buddy, buddy. That uh, that, yeah. that meant a lot. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to sit in with those guys and kind of rap about. I, I learned some things about you that I didn't know, some of your origin stories that apparently I had taken for granted all these sure. years. Uh, that was really cool to hear. It's kind of a history of Mike Seibert part one, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 was, it was a fun one. You got, got to learn about how Bobby Skullface videos make me literally nauseous. Um, <laughs> and... One one of one of my favorite stories, and actually, it's a, my favorite story because of your reaction to it, is the the whole pizza incident in at TFCon Chicago, oh where, uh, where I'm still a little pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because, like, I I tell that story from a completely different vantage point. I was like, yeah, man, you know, they closed the restaurant and they weren't going to serve us any food. And they said, yeah. well, hey, man, you know, if I order pizza, can I eat it? Yeah, sure, whatever. And just nonchalantly over my shoulder, like like it's an inconvenience. So, oh, yeah, you know, just just having pizza with with Jim Sorensen and Aaron Archer and a bunch of other cool fan artists and the APD. The angry guys. Archer himself yes. and uh, the, the god of Transformers animated content, Jim Sorensen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, just no biggie. <laughs> well, and, and also keeping in mind in this context, I didn't know that at that point. I know Aaron Archer more for his work on the design side for like, you know, he did like a lot of the Unicron trilogy stuff 
and, yeah. and he's a, he's an artist in his own right and and just a just a cool dude to talk to and i have uh, formed a relationship with jim Sorensen as well and really where he and i got connected was after that big reveal of the first original rough draft of transformers the movie that ron friedman did this this like 300 page Megillah that has like, you know, different characters and like a snake that turns into a train and or a train that turns into <laughs> a snake or and whatever. There's a little bit of cocaine left in the spine of the book. <laughs> well, his name is Rails. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, so it's like, so, and, and this was in uh fall of 2022. So almost a year ago, actually to, to this, but point being is like, I wonder how I would be now as opposed to then, because like I, again, had no engagement with Transformers animated. And it's interesting, like I actually like in watching this episode of uh, Megatron Rising, I watched it on Pluto TV. Uh, Pluto TV, by the way, uh, gives you uh, captions, closed captioning, ah, which yeah. Tubi doesn't. And I just I just learned this. My point being is like uh, when you watch on Tubi, it goes straight to the next episode. I've never sat through the credits before. So it's like it's, oh. it was interesting going through the credits and seeing like the specific uh, voice casting. And you see like Aaron Archer's name come up like a, a handful of different times and, and, and some other names as well. Cool. But it, it was it was kind of interesting to kind of have that that experience here now fresh. But. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, uh, MSRP 400 was was a huge success. It's on my YouTube channel. It is almost five hours of of live streaming <laughs> content. But yeah, it was it was such such a great time. And and I'm hoping like the thing that I said when I wrapped up the stream is like maybe I need to do stuff like that more often. Is just like plan ahead, pick a date, and just say, hey man, you know, casual drop in and drop out because that that that's what was so cool about it. What that what was so fun about it it was a tight group of a handful of folks but then other folks just kind of came and went and it was really neat well you can't get more old school radio than than a switch for switchboard full of uh random callers right and, and yep. bouncing them in and and you're on with mike seibert let's do this thing I've, i love that nature of kind of the live live streaming absolutely so um we we talked toys a little bit earlier with wrapping up my birthday shenanigans, but that is not the only toy legislation. And th oh th right, th this this was something where we were messaging each other even before these toys were officially announced. It's like, oh man, well we have to talk about this, right? Um, yeah. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. Absolutely. It would, it would be a huge miss because it'd be like, oh, man, I got to hear what the two mics think about this, especially given some of the discourse that, that we've seen on our Twitter. But uh, Hasbro PulseCon was a couple few weeks ago, and they revealed a number of Transformers goodies. Um, including like some some just wild stuff. There there's some there's some crazy character choices coming up, but they've announced that the third wave of the legacy toy line, the the Transformers Generations uh, Legacy, started with Legacy, then became Legacy Evolution, and now the third part of that is called United. Uh, so it's yeah. uh, it's Legacy United, and basically in this toy line, what they've been doing is. They've been pulling 
different characters from across the Transformers multiverse through the space bridge into this coherent toy line. And it's interesting at a time where we're just now getting ready to get new Transformers comics uh, in the form of the Skybound stuff. Um, We've already seen a bit of that in Void Rivals, but it's fascinating to me to listen to the Hasbro folks like the marketing team and the design team and those folks kind of talk about this lore that they've kind of created that like just internally for themselves that there's just no fiction to support. Like it's one one of the things I'm going, going off book here a little bit. One of the things that, that is kind of weird to me is that we're in a period where there's licensed media. So, you know, like cartoons and, and, uh, and comic books and whatever. Um, there was a time where, uh, and for this example, I'll just use transformers and GI Joe just to, just to keep it Hasbro where the cartoons and comics were structured to sell toys, you know, very, very 1980s deregulated Reagan, um, you know, kind of crass consumerism, that, that type of thing. But what's fascinating to me is in recent years, more and more, the media doesn't really seem to have anything to do with the toys. And I think that's very right. odd. Like, I think, I think I noticed this most recently with the Netflix War for Cybertron trilogy. It's like one of the, the big things that I enjoyed about that show or, or liked aesthetically about that show is that they basically were the toys like to the oh, point yeah. to the point where they have like five millimeter ports on them and like blast effects posts. Um, so I, I, I thought that was cool. I mean, your mileage on that show uh, may vary. There's a whole lot to be critical about, but I liked that it was like, Oh, this is a cartoon meant to sell toys. Great. But then they started. Well, and I'll say, and it worked. I mean, I, I would watch those, and then I'd be like, I gotta run to the store and grab something. Like, I just need, I just need that fix. Like, it, it worked. Yeah, on me. And 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 that's and that's the way it should be. And it's like, and it made me more invested in characters than I would have otherwise. I mean, I I have one of those uh, Netflix Alita One figures based on the strength of that performance from Lindsay Rousseau and bringing that character to life. It's like, I'm not Lita. I'm not the, uh, internet's uh, number one Alita <laughs> one stand, but like that made me care about that character in a way I never had before. So, but where, where I'm going with that is like into legacy, they Hasbro seems very kind of rudderless. Like they, so there's no cartoon, like, like the team that, did War for Cybertron trilogy for Netflix pitched a a sequel series for Legacy and Netflix passed on it. It, it was it wasn't exactly mm-hmm. what they what they were looking for. As the story goes from showrunner FJ DeSanto, they uh uh they pitched it. Hasbro liked it and it wasn't exactly what Netflix was looking for in 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 show content. So I don't know exactly what that means. You know, I I dabble in Transformers gotcha journalism sometimes. So it's like I'm at like <laughs> I'm I'm at like TFCon LA in 2022 and or maybe 2021, I think. Maybe it doesn't matter. Anyway, I I'm at a panel with the entire War for Cybertron cast. 
Like it, it's, it's a very last supper looking thing. There's like 20 people on that stage. It was great. It, it was, it was a terrific panel for a show that not everybody liked. Um, and you couldn't <laughs> sure. tell in that room because the enthusiasm was infectious. It's like, you would think that this was like Transformers, the movie or something or Transformers animated, like something that was beloved just because yeah. of just like the, the raw enthusiasm. Uh, but anyway, uh, FJ had mentioned that, yeah, we, we pitched legacy and that the, the tweet I put out had kind of gotten misconstrued and misquoted. It's like, nobody hated anything. It's just Netflix passed on it. Cause that's not what they wanted, but, yeah. um, well, yeah. And I but think anyway. to your point of being, uh, uh, rudderless, it's almost in a good way. And maybe the reason they passed on it is because they wanted to have a little more freedom to just grab from any storyline without. You know, or grab from any Transformers yeah. media without having to sort of, you know, shoehorn it into a storyline. But I, I think it's rudderless in a good way a little bit mm. in that we're getting some of these really like obscures, you know, uh, Chase from Rescue Bots. I mean, that's a wild thing that I didn't even know I needed. And it's like, I really appreciate that, though, that now we're getting a sort of official toy of him. Yeah, well, and we're and we're getting Magmatron and like uh, you know yeah. all, all this other just wacky wacky stuff. But like, I apologize that that was that was a very very long way of saying that um, the animated bots are coming to uh, Legacy United. Uh, so oh, yeah. So first we saw leaks of Bumblebee, and there was no shortage of discourse about that. And then I'm like, ah, you know what? It, it looks fine. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's like, if you think this B is working for you, wait till you see Optimus. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And, the, and, then the, <laughs> and then the leaks happened. And even just based on the leaks, I was just like, oh my. And then, um, nice. so on, on the eve of Hasbro PulseCon, uh, Hasbro partnered with a screen rant. I think it was to do like an official reveal. They, they rolled out poster art with uh, both transformers, animated Optimus and Bumblebee just looking just awesome. Like, like I, I love that corner of the poster that they have where it's like um, Bumblebee's doing like almost like a Spider-Man, like, like jump into the action type of thing. And of course, my dude Optimus is just swinging that heckin' axe, and it's just like, oh my, yeah. I mean, there there are few figures anymore that get me to insta buy. That was an insta buy for me. Well, I'll talk about Optimus first, then we could talk about Bumblebee, and we can kind of talk about how how the the Transformers animated universe fits into Legacy United, but. Um, but that that Optimus and it's so funny coming off of an episode where we spent so much time talking about what vintage Transformers animated Optimus can we make for Mike Seibert so that he gets a great figure and a killer axe because it's like he, he's I mean, like, why doesn't he have that same fixation on the grapplers? Grapplers are cool, but no, all he wants is the axe. This Legacy United animated universe optimus prime looks like it gives me everything i want like uh the proportions are there it's like he well it's a voyager class figure so he's taller heftier bigger more dense so you get some of those exaggerated uh derek j wyatt proportions like i i love that his shoulders are so broad that his chest is so big while still kind of having like a tapered in waist like it really kind of tries to 
honor that design aesthetic while still fitting in with the blueprint of the current Transformers Generations toy line where, you know, there, there's like a certain body type and a certain scale and, yeah. and those, those toys fit magnificently well together. And I'll make no bones about it. I was in love. I, I love everything <laughs> about, I, about that figure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like uh, you, you called and Hasbro answered They're They're like, Mike Seibert needs a proper optimist with, with that ax and uh, they delivered. So yeah. Yeah. And, and like, so th there was so much discourse about like, oh man, does the, uh, because like there's two different pictures, like one, uh, Optimus has the ax with an extendable handle and then other one where he has a shorter one, both of which are play patterns from the show. Like we've seen both. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I sure I would have liked it to be telescopic, but it doesn't need to be. It's fine. Just having a, a, a handle on there. But it gives me the thing that I want in that it's got that pop of clear blue plastic that I think is missing from some of the other axes that 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 we were talking about. And it's got a very noticeable thruster on the back of it. Um, th yeah. th those are the, the key elements. I need I need a thruster. I need a blue blade and I need an, an extended handle. And this gives me all three. Oh, yeah. And the figure is great, too. Right. And, well, and especially after the episode we're about to talk about. Uh, really, oh, my God. Really need to have that proper representation of the axe. Absolutely. I, I hope and I couldn't tell from the pictures that there's going to be a three millimeter post on there to where you could pop a blast effect in there. Oh, yeah. There, there must be some way at least. Yeah, which incidentally, I, I call them blast effects. I, I've heard that folks in the community call them blooshes. I don't call them that. I just call them blast effects. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, shaking, shaking trees for like no, looking for controversy where there isn't any. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, blooshes, get out of here. Just, just. They're blast effects. <laughs> let's let's be adults here. But anyway, like the, the if you the like other... the term blushes, call in at uh, <laughs> drop a number. Two mics too furious at gmail.com yeah, or at you. two mics too furious <laughs> on some of the social medias, but none of the new stuff. Um right. uh, but anyway, like uh, you know, one of the other things we had talked about is that one of my weirder, hotter takes from talking about transformers animated is i've acclimated to optimus prime with a mouth and a face to the point where he uses his battle mask so infrequently it's almost weird when when he puts it on because he just he he's so emotive with uh, with his face yeah. and and the face sculpt that they got on that optimus is french kiss chef's kiss for sure yeah um because <laughs> i mean like it, it's perfect totally. it's like just enough chin I don't know. It just, it just really, really speaks to me. Yeah, so anyway, so yes. Cool. So I've already got a pre-order in for that. I am getting that figure for sure. I did not pre-order the Bumblebee. Oh. I, I like it, but it doesn't blow my hair back the, the same way that the Optimus does. And maybe it's because I have a TFA Bumblebee already to scratch that itch. But, and, and it's interesting and I would love to get your take on it as well. But like watching this episode, um, so like seeing the reveal, then watching an episode, the proportions on that body type for that Legacy United figure 
are pretty darn close to the animation model. Like there are times where Bumblebee is here in this episode with kind of less exaggerated shoulders and more kind of less exaggerated character design. I don't, I don't know if you noticed that, but there, there's a lot of times yeah. where like when he's like slipping into the elevator and stuff like that, like his body looks a lot like that figure does, which I was not expecting to see. It was weird, but I, I've been talking, yeah. I've been talking for a lot. What, what, what do you, <laughs> really? what, do you, what do you think about these figures? Yeah. Like I'm still doing a 400th yeah. episode live stream or something <laughs> like that. It would be interesting so to go through that episode, see how much other people are actually talking. Cause I bet you it's not a lot. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So I'm going to read some question cards from you. Let me tell you a story about where these come from. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then that the remind- classic hour it took you to get to the pod decks after announcing pod decks was just indicative of the Mike Seibert experience. I think <laughs> so. Please, please. It's the Mike Seibert radio experience. According yeah, to my buddy, yeah. Aaron over at APDC right. shouts out right. to that guy. Okay. Well, here's my take on those toys so that we can get to the episode proper, but uh, no, I, you know, I haven't pre-ordered any of them, but what I will say I like about, let's start with Optimus for me, because one of the things that really stood out to me was the ax. There's something just sort of animated about the proportions of it. That is just cool. And I really just think Hasbro is doing the Lord's work when they include the animated stuff in this toy line, because animated by its nature is so stylized and, and unique. And the whole point of this uh, legacy toy line is to sort of make this uniform kind of playability and style of toys. So like, it's really tough. I, I, I would be nervous to be the guy that sits down and be like, Hey, I'm going to do a transformers animated thing. Plus there's been such a huge gap between the transformers animated original toys. And these it's like people are thirsty they they almost don't even want like a cool stylized they, they they almost will just take a reissue of the original toys at this point so to putting putting them out is a little bit of a risk i think but but a cool one i'm glad they're taking it i really like i really like the look of the optimus like you were saying the proportions are very cool while still falling into this sort of legacy um uniform toy line they've created mm-hmm. but i think if i'm going to get one of them only i think it's going to be the bumblebee as I've said before, Bumblebee is not a part of my collection currently, so it would be, you know, one of my first. It would be my first animated Bumblebee, mm-hmm. and I I like it. I love little compact cars. I like the little buggy. I thought it was really cool during the PulseCon where they were talking about how they had like an actual car designer who put a lot of work into creating Bum- Bumblebee's mode based on like real car styling. So uh, that really excited me. I just love little yellow compact cars. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Weird thing of me. It's my type. Yeah, I mean, so that that alt mode is perfect. Um, I mean, the the oh, the yeah. siren is a little further back than than I guess it should be, but that's that's like the nitpick of nitpicks. But like, it's it, I like that it's compact and chubby. You know, like I I, yeah. I, li- I like a compact chubby car. You know, like 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 a cliff jumper, like a bumblebee. You know, like that that classic mini bot car uh, type of thing. And for for that vehicle mode to unfold to be like a regularly proportioned deluxe figure is we we've talked about the original transformers animated toys as being like a feat of engineering of a feat of engineering and that's what this legacy united bumblebee reminds me of it's like it's like wait a sec you got it to do two things in two different modes that's insane. Like, it, yeah, it, it's just crazy how how well that works. 
Totally. And and another thing about the alt mode, the vehicle mode, there's while still looking like a regular proportioned car, it's the, the elements of the headlights and the front grill still sort of nod at that like winking, smirking, you know, in animated, it's very clear, like the front of the car is like sort of animated and making facial expressions along with Bumblebee's emotions. Yep. Um, this while still looking like a real car, like when you turn it at a certain angle, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that little smirk. There's that little Bumblebee uh, stinker energy that we get from him in this uh, legacy car. Well, and some of the the discourse that I've seen online about the Bumblebee figure, because, again, it was leaked first so that there was more discussion leading into it before the reveal at PulseCon. There was a surprising amount of discourse and disagreement about the the side smirk smile on the face sculpt. And it's like, oh, do do you even TFA, bro? It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like that seriously like if it didn't have that like imagine if it just had like a flat lego man mouth it's like what are we even doing it's like that that's if you want to take all of the soul out of animated bumblebee that's how you do it it's like yeah yeah, you, you just give him like a regular face it's like no that that side smirk smile has to be there and and i'm glad that it is and yeah, and it's almost done in a clever way where it could almost just be like a little like, you know, like a facial mark or something where you can still kind of if you squint at it, it's still almost the battle mask face. But uh, for the rest of us, we get the smirk. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I I do think, though, that the the head sculpt doesn't entirely match the body proportions, if that if that makes any kind of sense. I think like the neck chin thing is kind of weirdly disproportionately thick compared to the the rest of it. But as I said, though, I think watching this episode kind of turned me around on it a little bit because, yeah, it, Bumblebee in Megatron Rising is is kind of weirdly on model for that, where it's he has a weird head. Animated Bumblebee right. <laughs> has a weird head because, like, it's, it's a Jarek J. Wyatt chin, but it's also kind of more like a oblong helmet type of thing so it's like you have to kind of get that rounded flared aesthetic and that's a little harder to nail than it is optimus i i think the tfa optimus is um his face and head is a little more conducive to dialing down the stylization a little bit but still keeping the essence Bumblebee, mm-hmm. it's like you have to either have it or not. Like it, it, but it comes across more as more neck than chin for for right. me at least. That that's that that's just kind of my take on it. But again, I like the figure. I like the proportions on the body, and I think it's it, it's a feat that it can look so good in both molds or both molds. Yeah, both modes. Worlds. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. Our well, worlds world, are in danger. Right? Just, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Yeah, this is where you got to drop in the uh, Billy Madison soundbite of, you got a misshaped head. You got a misshaped head. Thank you. <laughs> you got it, <buddy>. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So now that Prime and Bumblebee from the animated universe are in Legacy United, so you you have Prowl, right? Yes, right here, in fact. So how do you think that 
because I, I didn't buy that figure because like I wasn't super into Prowl at that point. And even now, I'll be honest, now that I, I've warmed to Prowl, I still don't feel an urge to get a Prowl figure, either either a vintage or the uh, the new legacy one. But how do you think that that Prowl interacts with the other two figures that you've seen? comparatively yeah i was wondering that myself and i and i meant to uh play with it a little bit and transform it a little bit and, and remind what i what i liked and didn't like about the prowl figure but i will say to, to your earlier point though you prowl is a great figure either from the animated line or or this new line like it's it is a very cool i do know remember that like it's a very cool transformation it's very cool how they go together so so i'm excited i uh I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it, but then I was like, oh yeah, we do have a prowl and I hope, I hope they have the uh, sizing right. Like I hope Bumblebee doesn't tower over prowl or anything like that. I want them to be kind of, kind of in line. I hope that's my only hope and dream for the, the new figures. From what I understand that Bumblebee figure is surprisingly small. Like, like I, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the, the other smaller, the better. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the other, uh, war for Cybertron takes on the mini bots, but like cliff jumper is a small dude. Huffer is a small dude. Oh, sure. And, and the pictures don't necessarily do it justice because you're taking a picture of a figure. So you almost need them next to each other. But like, I was surprised by how small that cliff jumper actually is. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're, you're charging me 20 bucks for a deluxe. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, that's the same price as that. Come on, man. But um, if legacy animated uh, Bumblebee comes to my door and I take it out of its package and it's like the world's tiniest transformer size <laughs> class, I'll be like, perfect. And give it a tiny little kiss and add it to my collection with great relish. That's that's delightful. I love it. I also like relish. But no, I uh um I I was I was going to say something else and I I went for a joke and I fucked it up. Um so yeah man, so the uh, enough toy talk. Uh, you know, it's like you know yeah. we 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 could t we could talk about this stuff as enough 3D. Let's come back to the 2D. I know. I mean to the point where I'm going to have start putting time codes in this episode where it's like my god, they've been talking for a half hour. It's like I want to hear <laughs> It's a bit a half hour and Megatron hasn't risen yet. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is not the episode I was promised. Uh, but the episode. Mike B is screaming at his MP3 player right now. You need to get on with the show. Yeah. <laughs> Toys, yak or something. I mean, yeah. that, that dude's always <laughs> crabby about something. I mean, heart you, bro, but good Lord. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's let's jump right in uh, in the in the typical Michael Andrews fashion. We are talking about Megatron Rising Part One, which is season one, episode 15, our episode 15 of uh, Two Mikes, Two Furious here as we're talking about Transformers Animated. Uh, the original air date for this show was March 29th, 2008 and was written by Marsha Griffin. And uh, looking at her entry on TF Wiki, this is the first episode of TFA she's written, but it's not the last. Right. There's a lot of stuff coming up. Wrote a handful and more than a fair handful of Transformers Prime episodes. Uh, yeah. which she, she's also the story editor of that show. And she's also written episodes of Action Man, Kim Possible, and Michael Andrews' favorite, Ben 10. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to uh you know, I her her name tricked something for me a little bit in the back of my brain. I was like, okay, there there's something there. So uh when I looked up, it was like, oh yeah, a lot of uh Transformers Prime episodes and that got me really excited because whoo, mm-hmm. I love Transformers Prime so much. And it and it made me think like maybe that's what we should talk about if we ever graduate from Transformers animated. Because Prime they share a lot of DNA and Prime is just so good. Yeah. Uh, clouded the future is. Well, uh, let's yeah. uh, let's, <laughs> let's focus on one thing at a time. Yes, um, yes. Because yeah, I get the so, feel, I get the feeling like if we put it up as a poll, people would actually like have fights in the streets because like I, I know uh, folks are are interested in us covering Beast Machines. Folks are interested in us covering Transformers Prime, but it's like how do you cover Beast Machines without covering Beast Wars? And I don't want to do Beast Wars, so it's right. it's a lot. Maybe we'll just split the difference and do RID 2015 instead or something yeah. like that. <laughs> We'd put out a poll with three options and each one would be 33.3%, which is what it would come down to. It, it, yes, yes, it, exactly. And it was interesting because I, I recently had a conversation with my wife about about Transformers animated because like I was like I, I was relationship it sounds like absolutely and and I was talking about how much the show is resonating with me and and you know a lot of the stuff I've litigated here on the podcast and she asked me a very thought provoking question she's like well it was a statement she's like I'm surprised that you didn't watch it and I was like well. My uh, my crimes against the fandom are actually numerous, uh, to 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 quote our friend Lita there, um, yeah. in that there's probably more Transformers that I have not watched than I have, so I yeah. mean that, that's that's kind of the peril of being a G oneer, is that like you know I've dipped in and out and I'm I'm relative I'm still relatively uh. Well, I was going to say relatively young in this fandom, but that's not true. I'd say I'm more tween, maybe not quite adolescent. <laughs> I mean, because like yeah. I've I started really participating in the fandom in like 2018. So it's uh that that was like five years ago. So I don't I don't think I could call right. that young anymore. You are not a girl, not yet a woman in there, the Transformers. Community. There it is. There it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. uh I talked to her about the various things I haven't passed. I'm like, I, I, you know, I didn't watch this. I didn't watch that. And I kind of gave reasons and it's interesting. I hope I don't get canceled for, for the amount of stuff that I haven't uh, participated in, but yeah, it is, it is fascinating to me reflecting on just how much I like in a sense, this version of this podcast style, we could continue indefinitely because there's almost all of the shows I haven't watched, you know, I mean, like, I mean, so really like in 2019, when war for Cybertron trilogy hit, I watched that and I'm watching earth spark, but anything prior to that, uh, uh, so game. So yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really the, the, the sky is, the sky is the limit. So, um, anyway, just, just that, that, that little bit, on yeah. that there well, so so let's jump right in again uh <laughs> <laughs> so we jumped out so that jumped we could out, jump- we're jumping back in the pool was a little cold now it's warmed up uh we're getting back into it and we're coming uh, in the spirit of that we're coming right off the last episode where where isaac sumdex discovery in the wilds of new detroit from the end of nature calls is uh alive and well here in his lab mm-hmm. uh we 
glitch out where we realize it's still blustery winter here in the city. Really like that. Really like that they're keeping with that seasonal continuity. Mm -hmm. The next thing we see is Megatron's total body being hauled up into a Sumdax lab coming right out of the floor. Pretty jacked up, this body of Megatron that we see. The imagery there reminded me of Transformers 2007. Like when after the Decepticons are defeated and they're being dropped off the aircraft carrier into the trench, just like not only yeah. ju not just the space garbage, but like wrecked space garbage, like like the design on this, especially when you see it in silhouette later when spoilers alerts, you know, it, it, it his body is regenerated. But like something about it being like on those cables kind of hanging yeah. and like all of like the bits hanging off of it. It, it, it felt very 2007 to me. I, well, I'm embarrassed because that is, uh, yeah. And that plays a lot into, um, uh, revenge of the fallen as well. That sort of imagery. And they use that again. Uh, yeah, that totally is where that's from. Uh, mm -hmm. well, you know, in reverse, like right, make probably the, the movie, well, the movie itself didn't borrow it. So this would have been animated would have been borrowing from, the 2007 movie, which it's, that's Correct. kind of its father a little bit. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I, I didn't pick up on that now. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely that imagery. Uh, so, but now we're in Sumdex lab instead of hovering over the Laurentian abyss and uh, Sumdex is looking quite sinister as he puts on his goggles. There's something very Frankenstein about him about to, about to start work on Megatron. Don't you think? He loves it. He, yeah. He's super into this. He's like, oh, man, I get to I get a new thing to tinker with. And and right. it's, inter it's interesting, too. And I didn't piece this together until now because we know, obviously, that the entirety of Sumdac Systems, his entire robotic empire, he even says it later, is built on reverse engineering Megatron. The thing that I didn't figure out, and this even eluded me in our last episode when we were talking about what the mine is supposed to be there for and what Sumdac is looking for. It didn't occur to me that Isaac Sumdac has been looking for Megatron's body this entire time. So he's had the head to deal with. So that adds another bit of jubilation to when he finally finds it at the end of the last episode, but also how giddy he is as he approaches getting the chance to tinker with it. Cause this is something that's 50 years in the making for him. It's like, yeah, you, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's like Indiana Jones finding the, the dial of destiny. He's like, I've been looking for this my entire life. I've never talked about it right. before, but apparently I've been looking <laughs> for this my entire life, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, well, I think we're kind of all, you know, it, we're all sort of Isaac Sumdeck right now. I mean, there's, something exciting about you know getting to go back to his you know humble beginnings you know he maybe he's sick of all the bureaucratic stuff and running this machine empire now he's like this is where it all began me finding a piece of junk and, and yeah. reverse engineering it this has got to be this is like him back to his passion really absolutely and and this is where you get some of the tony stark stuff like where at the end of the day isaac sumdak kind of a gearhead so it's like he yeah. he's probably happiest when he's in his garage fiddling with stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and also, so in this scene, we learn that the the Sumdac Tower is running off a generator from the storm. Um, and, and this generator, though powerful, uh, much more powerful than our little gas-powered ones, it's not enough to power uh, the building and upgrade Megatron at the same time. And Megatron uh, loses it here. <laughs> this is where he almost breaks character and almost reveals himself because he really goes off on Isaac Sumdac uh, when he finds out that he can't get his body back right away. Right. Right. And now and now I now that you said body back, I have no choice but to put in the TFU.info uh, baby back ribs goes yes. to Starscream, wants his body back, body back, body back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Which I did not tell you I was going to do until I did it, but anyway. ah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now, yeah. Now, now we have to, now we have to do that here. But I, I love this dynamic between Megatron because he's, he's so close. He, he can taste it. It's right there. I mean, his body is right there and it's like, nothing is more important than these upgrades. Do you hear me, human? Nothing. Come on, you dumb human. Let let's do it. And it's like, uh, um, oh well. Uh, there's a there's a Decepticon invasion coming? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, kudos to Corey Burton here because, like, I I love the oscillation in his vocal delivery because, like you said, he he almost breaks but then goes right back into like, you know, uh, uh, frail, hapless Dr. Smith. He's like, Ooh, yeah. I don't know the, the Decepticon yeah. invasion. He goes back. He goes back to his theater kid, uh, roots and, yes. uh, <laughs> just break right back into character, right back into it. Sorry. The audience didn't break him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, so he turns it around and he, Oh, my Autobot buddies. And he's just worried about the Decepticons return. And you know, that old chestnut, yeah. uh, Meanwhile, Sari chimes in that she's tried to soup up the generator with her key and it didn't work. And this I thought was interesting because it's like going back to that discussion we've had of is the key consciously making choices as much as it can? And and right. does it know that in doing this, it would bring Megatron back online? Like, I wonder if that's the thing that we're not seeing is like the key choosing not to work for Sari. And, and that's it's interesting, too, because... Megatron more than anybody else seems to have that intimate knowledge of the AllSpark. And we've speculated that what is the connection between Megatron and the AllSpark? And with the key being a conduit to the AllSpark, sometimes it's working for that purpose. Sometimes it's working against that purpose. Yeah. And its motivations are unclear. And you see a little bit of that here. Also, shouts out to another fried secretary bot because Sari's like, hey, man, I tried to fix it. Meanwhile, in the background, zap, yeah. zap, zap, zap. It's like there's no shortage of secretary bots here at some deck industries. They just have like, Sari's burning through them like the, the professor of the dark arts at Hogwarts or something. Just like, boom, we got another one. Boom, we got another one. We, we've been without an interpreter since our master got angry with our last protocol droid and just yeah, right. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> Cut to sorry smirking. Yeah. yeah right. uh, but yeah, I think 
So one of the things that this episode and this set of episodes does great is like really ratchets up the tension and forces everyone to make decisions they wouldn't normally make. So the combination of uh, Megatron seeing his body and being so close but can't quite touch it makes him get back on his bullshit of like, I need that key. I need a plan to do it. I, I don't have time to like a sound wave type thing. Uh, I just need to get that GD key. So he tries the lug nut angle once again, reaching out to lug nut who I guess didn't, doesn't even know if he's alive at this point after their last encounter. But from this, we do see that lug nut and blitzwing have pulled themselves together as it were. Right. And they're kind of reduced to squabbling in the forest outside of the city. It's a little, a little sad to see from, from the last time we saw them, but they're very strong, you know, capable characters. Now they're sort of like scrabbling for food and, and, you know, out in the, out in the woods. We also see from this, their kind of tenuous alliance with their, I love this. The supreme leader you have chosen. Oh my uh, version God, yes. Starscream. <laughs> yeah. Talk I, about delusions of grandeur on this guy. Yeah. And to jump back a little bit here, like, so like you knocked it loose with uh, Lugnut and Blitzwing squabbling. It's very much Five Faces of Darkness where like the Decepticons are banished to Cha'ar and, and they're like squabbling over energon cubes. And so that that's very much yeah. to, to the point where like Blitzwing is like futzing around with Lugnut's shoulder. And I love this visual gag that like, once he gets the shoulder in place, it's too heavy and he falls over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The shoulder, right. shoulder is too heavy, but, and it just kind of comes to nothing because Lugnut's like, hey, man, that's my shoulder. And it's like, OK, fine. Here you go. And Blitzwing's shoulder is just fine. It's like he just yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I think random Blitzwing was in the was in the driver's seat for. Yeah, yeah it's a good bit. Absolutely. I mean, I I love the dynamic between between those those two bots because they're they're so diametrically different Lugnut being such an aggressive loyalist and Blitzwing while he is loyal he's a wild card so I I right. like how you can have those characters clash off of one another uh but yeah like like you said here you know Starscream comes in he's picking on them and you get an immediate payoff from what we speculated would happen in lost and found it's like what's really gonna happen when when these guys's loyalty is tested for real well i love this entire sequence but i it reminds me of the interaction from the first episode when like those that this gang of decepticons are hanging out on the bridge they've been hanging around each other for way too long they're tired of each other and starscream is spouting off and Lugnut is all too quick to come in and, and talk about how awesome Megatron is. Here, you kind of get a reprise of that in that Starscream is like, oh, hey, man, I'm your the supreme leader you have chosen to crush the Autobots and lead the Decepticons to victory. And yeah. Lugnut very pointedly says, you were not chosen. Yeah. It really talks to the the sense of 
Decepticons, they're sort of like the uh, managers that have always wanted to be a manager and never wanted to like be a worker. You know, they all they all want to get to that place of power, but they don't really know what to do when they get there. Like Starscream just wants to be acknowledged as not just a leader, but the chosen leader that people actually want him as the leader. And he's so obsessed with that. He's not actually leading anything. He's not actually scheming or doing anything. He's out in the woods with these two lunkheads just goofing around. It's like, what what's your plan here, dude? Right. And that knocks loose. That 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 was a huge plot point in the IDW comics where spoilers alerts Starscream is duly elected as uh, as leader of Cybertron. Oh, right. Yeah. And even then and and he wants it so bad. I mean, to the point to where, again, spoiler alerts, he, he you know, has has people murdered, murders people himself. You know, very lot lot of Game of Thrones political intrigue type of stuff. Very fascinating story. Yeah. But at the end of it, it's just like, well, I don't really. Well, now that I have the job, I don't really want to do it. It's like it, it's right. kind of, you know, wanting is more important than having. That absolutely that kind of thing. We we were talking about Starscream's thirst for power, but not knowing what to do with it. That's entirely his character motivation here. He still wants the Allspark for what? Who knows? The thing that's yeah that's interesting in these couple episodes. There's a whole lot of. Did you not remember what happened last time? It's like. <laughs> Almost every character in in this finale has a moment like that where it's like, did you not remember the last time you did this? That that kind of thing. So it, it's fascinating to me that he's immediately back on his bullshit of like, well, we must go get the Allspark. The Allspark is within reach and its power will be mine. It's like, for what? Right, to do right. what? It's like he, he's... Things he's, to do. Yeah, I mean, he's all ambition and no direction. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, and and this little exchange I think is great because while he's going through his his rant uh, and wants his little followers to follow him, there Megatron chooses this moment to start speaking to Lugnut again and asks him to get the key. And I just think this is like a rather comical back and forth because for a while there, it's like Lugnut's uh, talking to Megatron, but Starscream in his arrogance just assumes like he's talking to him, and you know, Lugnut starts you know. Uh, with in with the compliments and how much he loves Megatron, his glorious leader, and Starscream just doesn't bat an eye. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all those great things. I love it. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like Ludnut actually kneels before before Starscream, and Starscream's like, Ah, uh, yes, now that's more like it. Right. And, and it's like, oh man, I was just tying my shoe actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. It's it's pretty wild and and it's also cool. But, but then the ruse is up because Starscream realizes that, you know, Lugnut's on another wavelength or something. And we do. I, I like this from both a storytelling point and also just from a little moment point of uh, we get a callback that Starscream was the one that destroyed Megatron. Like this is so great because not only does it do the thing that TV shows need to do, which which is refresh you about a little story point, but it's also so in character for Starscream to he just can't help himself, even though he's trying to keep up this ruse that, you know, Megatron was destroyed by the Autobots. He just still revels in the fact that he that he was the one that destroyed Megatron, you know, and he's and he's pissed, right? He's like, there is 
is now Megatron! Megatron is offline! Terminated! I did it myself! Saw it myself! And he knows for a fact, but it's also interesting that he's keeping the secret from those two. Yeah. And he kind of has to, right? Uh, yep. Because, I mean, especially in the case of Lugnut, they wouldn't follow him knowing that he destroyed Megatron. And I love this interchange with Blitzwing. I mean, it's it's interesting to have a conversation with Blitzwing because you never know what you're going to get. It's like, are yeah. you going to get icy Blitzwing? Are you going to get random Blitzwing? And it's like, at, at one point, Starscream's like, okay, what's his malfunction? It's like, ah, you know, what, right. whatever. It's just, you know, it's just a glitch. And you're talking to a guy with three personalities. What do you mean? What do you mean? What's his deal? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but what what I think is, is is fascinating that the conclusion of this discourse is that first Starscream is like, wait a sec. Some, somebody's just pulling your leg. And then he does he does this thing where he like whips out his uh, blaster like he's gonna like no ray this dude, and then he just ends up like scanning him and he's like wait a sec. My scanners indicate Lugnut is picking up a communication signal from somewhere. But I like that Starscream's first assumption is that someone is trying to deceive Lugnut and undermine Starscream's authority. It's like yeah. I, it's a very uh, it's a very Scrooge like thing, right? Or like you can't believe that he's being visited by the ghosts of the past, you know? Like he, it it is uh, someone who's out to get me. I'm the mark for something. Mm-hmm. I'm so important. That sort of thing. Very very Starscream esque. Which of course Lugna is all too happy to to do. It's like and protect his life force at all cost. You know, full full yeah. simp, full simp at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so from there, we we haul back to the Autobot HQ, and we see Prime and Prowl are worrying about uh, increased Decepticon signals. You know, they're they're mobilizing for a full-scale assault, it sounds like. And uh, this grown-up discussion is interrupted by model planes being flown by Sari and Bumblebee whizzing around. The two kids of the show, right? Yeah, um, and, and Ratchet zaps one of the planes, and as per usual, reading the room is not sorry and bumblebee's first best strength where they're mad at the adults it's like hey you made me lose the dog fight what'd you do that for yeah right right yeah i think it's pretty funny but it also there's something weirdly true about it because bumblebee you know he says something to the effect of like i hate to be a downer here but five of us against all of them the odds aren't exactly in our favor and you could easily take that as like you know, uh, a point of laziness um, on Bumblebee's part, but it kind of makes sense. It's kind of like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, there is sort of like a, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go play games because we can't do anything about this. Right. right. But Optimus, uh, he still wants to do something. There's still Autobots at the end of yep. the day. And this is where Bulkhead pushes Prowl into revealing that the Dinobots still exist. We have that, we have the long awaited payoff of this secret that they've been keeping from prime and uh yeah it does not go over well with optimus let's just say. oh my gosh like there have been times that i can relate with optimus prime there there are times where i've been critical of this version of optimus prime but like in this batch of episodes 
And his entire character arc is like, I have had enough of this shit. I have had enough of you assholes. And it, it resonates in, in a big, bad way. But yeah, so, I mean, let's go there. I mean, I mean, Bulkhead is like, you know, without even a second thought, he's like, hey, maybe the Dinobots can help. And, and Prowl's yeah. like, yeah. bro, buddy. <laughs> and, 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 and to Bulkhead's credit, he was like, well, you told me you were going to tell him. And he tells Prime, he's like, he told me he was going to tell you. Right, right. A lot of finger pointing. And, and it, kind of, it kind of reminds me from uh, uh, Back to the Future Part 2 a little bit. The, the I think he took his wallet guy. Hey, did you just take his wallet? He just took that guy's wallet. I think he took his wallet. <laughs> you know, that just, just, yeah. <laughs> but like. Yeah, absolutely. But, but. Optimus Prime right here. It's like he he's he's got like a little bit of eye twitch already and he's like tell me what? I mean, and you can see that that simmering pot is already going up to a roiling boil. There there's going to be some spillover here before too long. Yeah, absolutely. And Prowl has to remind them that he rescued the Dinobots because he sensed a spark in them. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't a secret necessarily for the, for a secret's sake, but it's kind of a cold splash of water reminder that, that they're Autobots and they're there to protect life, uh, not destroy it. And it's, it's kind of surprising to me that Prowl has to be the one, not, not because Prowl's character is totally in line with this, but the fact that he has to remind Optimus of this points to something bigger going on. And, and this tension between them, this whole scene is great because it's full of secrets and lies yes. and tension. And it really, Prowl and Prime at this point kind of remind me of like Captain America and Iron Man uh, circa Civil War era where you're kind of surprised on which side of the fight that they're on because Dick like Prowl wants to be like, hey, remember we're supposed to be preserving life. And Optimus is like, you kept a secret from me. You kept those things alive. Like, this is ridiculous. And it's like, whoa, when did we... When did we have this shift? Well, and and Prowl is really pedantic here. You know, he because like Optimus is like, well, you know, I, I thought they were destroyed. You know, he also could have said, well, I thought they were missing or something like that, because it's it's still kind of unclear what was revealed to the Autobots about what the Dinobots fate were. Um, all they know is that they go to the box and they're gone. You know, it's like were, were they were they destroyed? Were they kidnapped? From that day forward, it was it was very unclear, except for the folks that knew. But like Prowl, he's like he he becomes pedantic Ryan at that point, and he's like, technically, I rescued the Dinobots, and <laughs> and and Prime just loses it. Like he he is yeah. he he is so mad that like I mean I love the sound design here. It's like he's fuming mad and like his engine is revving. You can hear that engine revving as as like he's really yeah. like you know breathing heavy and, and undulating and stuff. And this uh this exchange is iconic because like he snaps and he says the fate of the earth and cybertron hang in the balance and all i've got to command are a bunch of undisciplined insubordinate malfunctions and yeah we haven't seen optimus lose his temper like this before and it is it's something yeah it's chilling it's chilling the the line delivery there and that's why this thing is so great and this is what i was going back to with megatron where like all the tensions getting ratcheted up like we're, we're fast forwarding through a lot of logical decisions because we're just angry and nervous and scared on both sides and i just think it's i wonder if we're seeing this outburst 
not because Optimus keeps throwing around insubordination uh, as a claim for the, for his anger and that you've jeopardized safety. But I wonder if it's just, we're seeing an insecure leader here. Um, and he's more concerned that his orders weren't followed. He's kind of, this whole situation is kind of making him snap back to a more academy bot that he was once long ago. And uh, it's like, you know, nobody, nobody told him, asked him to be the leader of this army. They were, they were construction bots, you know? Right. Well, and, and in this episode in particular, I think we see a lot of classic Optimus Prime tropes. We've, you know, we've jokingly before talked about, you know, how Optimus Prime is eager to be a martyr. And one of the things that we've talked about is like this version of Optimus is, is a younger dude. You know, and and he doesn't have all the answers. He's still trying to find his way. But at the end of the day, at at his core, he's still Optimus Prime. And one of the the uh, character traits that we're not necessarily a fan of with Optimus, but it is there in enough other media, is that kind of self doubt, self loathing. And I think you nailed it in that this outburst. He's he's projecting. It's like he's he's I don't think he's so much mad at his friends as he is mad at himself. I mean, he he's he's probably rightfully mad at uh, at Prowl and Bulkhead. But like when even yeah. Ratchet has to be like, hey, man, how about we find a lower gear here? Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think that's, again, why this is such a great argument, because you can see that Prime is in the right in a lot of these things, but but his motivations for it are all over the place. And I think that just makes the best tension, the best writing is, you know, when there's something simmering under the surface of the actual fight. Uh, I love the layers in this. So Prime is is still mad, uh, but he decides that given the circumstances that they're about to face a full scale assault, which incidentally, I, I, I do like that phrasing that that does go into my G one score. There's this script (laughs) is rotten with, with references that it's like, I think uh, the folks making this episode may have seen that transformers, the movie a time or two, just, just, yeah. just a hint. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's like, you know, he reluctantly decides, well, their resources, let's, let's see what the deal is with these, these dino bots. He's going to make sure things are done right. Quote unquote. Right. Also, that You know, now I need to go out there. So I, I, I have a couple questions as we, as we transition to uh dino bot Island here. So, we learn in this sequence that not only did Prowl and Bulkhead not tell Optimus about the Dinobots, but there was also this reference where like, oh, well, you know, the, the Dinobots really, really helped us out to take down Meltdown. And, and Optimus is like, Meltdown? <laughs> What the fuck else? Good lord! So, what else haven't you guys been? Which which does come up uh, a couple times later, where I think Optimus says a few different times, "It's like you know, what else is it going to be? What else aren't you telling me?" But we talked about this at the time when we discussed survival of the fittest. I don't understand 
what the recounting of this adventure was. What what was that debrief like? Because at one point in Survival of the Fittest, Sorry Sumdak is kidnapped. And we know the entire adventure episode happens where we go to Dinobot Island and the Dinobots are there and Meltdown is there and those pretenders are there and Captain Fanzone is with them along the way. And at the end of it, everybody takes a ride back to uh, to the mainland on a very slow moving vessel. The end. How do they explain how Sorry was rescued without e- it's like. I, I don't know. It's like I, oh, yeah. I, I I almost need that little piece of like Optimus being like, well, you told me that you rescued her from a cave. You know, it's like, you know, try oh, to right. figure out what what does that lie look like? What what are the mechanics yeah. of this untruth? Because it seems like they've literally told him nothing about that adventure. And that's right. Or maybe they just swung the complete opposite way and they're like, hey, you told me sorry was just upstairs with her cell phone turned off. Like, it's just something really like benign and lame. Oh, that she didn't need right. at all. Well, oh yeah. So so they uh, they gaslight Prime into thinking that she wasn't even kidnapped to begin with. Yeah, it's like, she was standing next to you the whole time. Where were you? <laughs> maybe you were the one that was. Yeah, missing. exactly. Maybe you went to an <laughs> island full of dinosaurs and horrific creatures. Yeah. Huh, maybe. <laughs> Well, maybe. Yeah, everyone thinks so. Uh, yeah, so that happens. And and if you weren't uncomfortable enough in this fight, uh, this next moment is what will get you. Because, um, you know, he, this is another moment where Prime's pushed to do something he wouldn't normally do. His anger has driven him to uh, take the key back from Sorry officially. Like, we're done with having a little kid with it. I'm done with... You know, people making mistakes and not following what I say, I'm taking it. And Sari's not having it. And she makes a good point. It's mine! The Allspark chose me! And I've done a pretty good job protecting it so far! Um, but aggressively, this scene got me. Because aggressively, Prime orders Ratchet to take him, remove it from her person with his magnets. And even Ratchet's uncomfortable with it. It's, it's a very visceral scene of discomfort well and and it's interesting how the how this whole thing plays out too because like you see both sides where it's uh prime's like well we can't trust you with the key the key chose me and then optimus is like after all it's it's not a toy and then right on cue the the little uh robot paper airplane buzzes in knocks ratchet on the noggin and optimus yeah. is like enough of the shit enough of the shit i yeah. have had it in like the most coldless lifeless line delivery david k has ever given optimus prime he's just like take it take it oh yeah. god oh chills chills yeah it's great i mean that's the best thing about this entire argument is everybody's making great points yeah. uh nobody nobody's really right you know it's just the wildest it's the wild it's really a great finale episode here because all the all this tension is built to this moment and it's just we get it we get from these characters what they're all going through perfect you know and and it and it's so interesting to have this conversation where where we're spending entire minutes like you know talking about like the various beats and how we felt about it and and what's going on but we're not done yet. I mean, it's, it's just like, and all of this happened 
in like 90 seconds of screen time. And so when I watched the episode for the first time, uh, this is going to be a tangent here. So just stick with me for a sec. This feels like as good a time as any to mention it because like I, I had a very exuberant, enthusiastic uh, viewing of this. I, I have a buddy of mine at work that we've been watching Ahsoka together on Tuesday nights because it drops at 6 p.m. Pacific. So we get off work around 6 p.m. Pacific and we've found ourselves a nice conference room with a really big TV that I, you know, we could just like Chromecast Disney plus to it. And we've been watching Ahsoka and, 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 and it's been really cool. It's been like a cool moment for the two of us to bond together. And since it's after hours, nobody is around those uh those viewings have gotten pretty pretty raucous you know we're pretty rowdy <laughs> i'm like we've gotten pizza a couple times and it's like so you know you I see support. you see all the 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 uh, references and easter eggs and it's all like oh you know just like a lot of like <laughs> you know we're just like yelling at each other and that and this is a recent discovery for me i never thought to watch content in a conference room before usually we use it for conferencing and or awkward right. birthday parties and and things like that where <laughs> where everybody like so we celebrate like work birthdays and anniversaries so our song is like you know happy birthday and or anniversary to you that that kind of thing is really <laughs> awesome it's it's delightfully awkward but yeah but my point being is like so for the first time with this knowledge in hand I go into the conference room to watch Megatron rising and it had that same energy, but I was completely by myself. This was like a thrilling episode for me. And like, there were many times where I was vocal to nobody. I watched it by myself. I, I wish at some point I had maybe set up like, I don't know, like some kind of like live stream or video or something just to get those reactions. Now there would be a bunch of dead times where I'm just like, furiously scribbling notes as well but like during this entire sequence from when prime pops to when b takes off i'm just like oh my god what is happening it's happening <laughs> and, it, yeah. and i'm just like oh my god i mean i was just like popping up and down and like you know being very vocal about it so the the last motion of this just going through the goddamn ringer it's like we've we've seen secrets revealed we've seen prime loses tepper we've seen the key get get stolen from starry you see her uh running off in tears and then this man this this conversation between bumblebee and optimus like is as heart-wrenching as the sorry exchange was this one broke me because like, you know, Bumblebee's like, dude, I'm ride or die with this chick. You know, she, she's been helping us the whole time. She's part of the team. And then Prime, so Prime is not having it. He's like, considering your own history of mistakes, Bumblebee, I wouldn't exactly call you a great character witness. And it's just like, dude, oh. the roast. It's like, yeah. I mean, he, he just burns this kid. And yeah. and then yeah, Bumblebee fucking dance the menace motherfucker, but he's not he's not a dummy. He's like Is that right? Well let me tell you something, boss bot. Considering the fact that we're stuck on this planet, outnumbered, with no idea on how we're gonna beat an army of Decepticons ready to fry our circuits at any second, I wouldn't exactly call you a great leader. And it's just like <gasps> holy shit. 
holy shit yeah oh yeah it's just it's one of those great moments where you 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 didn't notice all these pieces getting pushed into play and now we're seeing the the checkmate moment and it's like oh my gosh this is so good and all this happens within like i said like 90 seconds of screen time it's just like boom 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 it's like by god bumblebee's got a folding chair my god where's the referee (laughs) oh that man has a family my god (laughs) right right so sorry stormed off bumblebees stormed off sorry looks like she's on the verge of renouncing the autobots as she flees uh autobot hq and and be careful what you wish for a little bit on her part because she's snatched up by black arachnia once again um and then and meanwhile welcome back to the show black arachnia by the way <laughs> yeah yeah good to see her good to see her yeah and then we have we have ratchet uh telling prime to just let bumblebee go which is a risky move to tell prime when he's in this mood but also, yeah, Prime kind of doubles down on that insubordination and blah, blah, blah. And Ratchet's kind of very diplomatic about it and just says, you know, we're just we're not soldiers. We're not people you can order around. We're we're a stranded team of construction bots. Just let him go. He needs a little time on his own. Right. Well, and and that kind of I don't remember if it's here or if it's later, but but there's this whole discourse also with with Bulkhead and Prowl where it's just like. Dude, we're we're I mean, big ultra magnus energy. It's just like, you know, I'm I'm not a soldier. I'm not worthy. You know, we're we're just yeah. you know, we're, we're we're just, you know, roughnecks out here. And the thing I, I don't I don't remember if we have discussed this previously or not, because like I kind of analyzing this crew of Autobots, we know that they're they're a space bridge repair crew. And let's let's go down the line. We've got we've got a uh, academy reject in optimus prime we have a veteran but traumatized doctor kind of like we don't know what to do with this guy so let's just put ratchet on this crew you have bulkhead who makes the most sense to be on this crew because you know he, he he's big and it's a human wrecking ball literally and and well not human well <laughs> and 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 that's kind of what you need when you're breaking rocks and and yeah. fixing space bridges and you have bumblebee who's you know in an insubordinate little snot that probably like you know the autobots don't know what to do with him so it's like oh well that's i mean because i mean get this whole crew is like a mixed match of folks either being punished or being uh uh given something to do when they don't know what to do with them the one that never quite fit for me is prowl I still don't understand why Prowl is part of this crew. I don't, I can't fan fiction my way through to figure out with his ninja skills, but also his, well, maybe his crippling arrogance as well. Maybe, maybe he pissed somebody off. Maybe he pissed off the wrong guy at some point and said, well, you know, go, go fix some space bridges. But like, I thought about it. It's like, well, you know, prime we're not soldiers it's like that dude's a fucking ninja do you see them shurikens <laughs> like on the regular he's like Whoa. i'm like that dude's pretty yeah, those aren't construction shurikens <laughs> like that's not standard issue right right <laughs> yeah that's interesting but yeah i don't know it's just like i didn't i didn't really think to come back to that dynamic until now you know for for lack of a yeah. better term well hold on to that let's just say ah uh, 
keep, keep that in keep that in your pocket. Wow, are we, are we going to have to are we going to have to resurrect the secret spoilers uh, uh, siren here? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, yeah, been a while since you uh, tipped on one of those, but uh, yeah, moving moving on. Been a while. <laughs> uh, play me off, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so <laughs> so Optimus tells Ratchet, who now has the key to go to the ship, which we know is beneath Lake Erie, and Optimus refers to Dinobot Island. It's like, let's go to Dinobot Island. So I I, I like that it's a, uh, it's a name drop that I put in like half a dozen episodes ago. I'm glad that that's actually what we're calling it. So that, that, yeah. that, that made me uh, feel pretty, uh, pretty good there. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the other half of the team here, sorry, is, is talking to black arachne again. And there's such a great dichotomy and they keep coming to each other in moments where, where they kind of align. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's bad timing, but good timing in a way for those two to come together yes. because we, we see understanding between them again, you know, sorry's, down her luck, sick of the Autobots, and and here here shows up as the devil on her shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you, maybe you could help me find the AllSpark. I'm I'm done with the key. I want the AllSpark, uh, because again, and I love this too because we don't know if she's like really. We still don't know if she's in bed with the Decepticon cause or if she just wants to be. Uh, her former self again. I really love that they're still playing with that uh, duplicity in her nature. Absolutely. And this, uh, this exchange is critical. Cause again, it's like, it is interesting to, to think about it from top down to where it's like this eight year old girl is holding her own against an actual femme fatale. And, and sorry gets the better of black arachnia more than once in the, in the snappy banter exchanges. But I, yeah. I really like how black arachnia is laying it on thick. It's like, Hey man, you know, we might have something in common. You know, it wasn't not that long ago. I was one of them until they turned their backs on me. And sorry's like, yeah. Oh, rump. I know what that's like. And yeah, but, but something to, to push back on, on something you said earlier, with regard to being done with the key, because keeping in mind, this exchange starts with... But as much as I'd love to trade snappy comebacks with you, frankly, I'm already bored. So why don't you just hand over the key and I'll be on my way? And it's like, well, funny you should mention that. They took it from me. And that and that's kind of what... Yeah. So, so this, regardless of the outcome of along came a spider black arachnia apparently still wants the key for for at least a a brief time another one of these like did you not watch that last episode i mean we did two full episodes on it i mean like there was so much discourse we had to do two episodes on it come on black arachnia didn't you uh (laughs) didn't you hear that discussion but i yeah well i actually think it's great because uh you know the this moment where she's stuck without the key like prime in taking the key from sorry prime has inadvertently set you know his former love interest black arachnia on the course for the all spark whereas if the key was still with sorry maybe that would have had a different outcome now she's just like all right let's go right to the source and that puts them on a totally different trail absolutely because she even says explicitly the only thing that can make me normal is the power of the all spark so i don't know exactly where she got that idea where it's like well Sorry, doesn't have the key, so I guess I gotta. I got. I guess I gotta go to that treasure chest myself. I guess, but, but it, it gets them moving, and so now, uh, Sorry and Black Arachnia are a reluctant duo. 
yet again. I I also think it's great too that these two have come together because it reminds us of the Along Came a Spider episode and it it kind of digs that knife in of like, do you remember how much uh, Sari respected Optimus and when she wore her little Optimus costume and she was really close with him in that and we've just sort of seen those two part and then this is like the ultimate parting of ways between those two so i think it's a really great i think it's a really smart move to bring black arachnia back and put them together because it's a reminder of like boy you really cared about him we both did we both were big optimus fans and look what he did to both of us right shared trauma is a is a really cool trope you can you can get a lot of drama out of that so yeah in so now everybody's off on their own thing and in the in the city ratchet dukes it out with Lugnut and blitzwing we're just right into some action there uh they're they're looking for the key and guess who has it mr magnets himself ratchet oh. so he, this scene if we're talking visceral this one too i felt this one because he says you'll have to pry it from my cold offline servo and uh, uh blitzwing obliges him yeah and and it just it underscores again how so thoroughly outmatched the autobots are like it's it's super easy, barely an inconvenience for Blitzwing to to get the key from Ratchet. It's like he barely puts up a fight. And it's just like, oh, fine. Yeah. He just ices him, ices him to the wall. Right. And that was one of those things in, in, in my private viewing. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I'm like, and then, yeah, just tears off his arm. Tears off his arm. And, that's, <sighs> and, and you could see as Ratchet is encased in the ice the grimace on his face. Yeah. He, he's just like, he's looking at this in abject horror. And, but yeah, I, I also, if that scene, if that scene had ended right there with just the arm getting torn off, that would have been like too hot for TV. Yep. Cancel the show. It's not for kids anymore. I think that's why they showed him kind of breaking out and having that moment of like, Oh darn, the key is gone. Cause the showing that he's okay. But if they just would have been like tore off the arm cuts the next scene, my jaw would have been on the floor. Yeah. Or if I was a kid, I would be crying. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, my God, dismemberment and trauma. Again, TFA, here for the body horror. I mean, so much dismemberment, yeah. casual dismemberment. It's it's really occasionally upsetting. Um, I, I did have two things in my notes. I had a reprise of so many missiles, exclamation point. Absolutely. And, and then you get a reprise of the T-poke. Well, I guess, no, I'm sorry. I guess the poke. Because we gotta call it either T poke or the poke. Because like if if I say the T poke, then that's just ATM machine at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right, right, right. Yeah, it's a great little drop here because it's gonna play off big in the in the next episode. Absolutely. So we cut to Dinobot Island, where this again it, it is it is just so awkward. Like I could imagine the slow boat ride to Dinobot Island and nobody <laughs> yeah. is saying anything to anybody. Cause even like when, yeah. when the, this trio is trudging through the snow, you can, even if it wasn't wintry snow, you could feel the chill. You could feel that things are really icy between uh, these folks, a uh, pun fully intended. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great piece of, uh, you know, artwork to go along with the mood of how everyone's feeling it's just perfect i love this setting i i i mean like the, the i love that this entirety of the story takes place over winter 
Like it's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's unique and it's cool and it fits somehow. Like it's all, it really is all there. And, and it creates a literal feeling atmosphere. It's like, it's weirdly appropriate that it's cold um, at a time where our characters are left cold. Yeah. Yeah. So prime here tries to, uh, again, being kind of pushed forced to do stuff. He hastily tries to use a dis- diplomacy to like, uh, you know, get Grimlock on his side. And I was going to ask you, Mike, is this reminiscent of, uh, of something in G one? Because to me, it was definitely reminiscent of that scene in age of extinction, you know, defend this family or I'll kill you or he's, he's, they're really at odds, but he needs Grimlock on his side. Yeah. It, it did. It didn't necessarily strike anything G one to me, especially the, the way that the outcome goes. And it, it's interesting because uh, one, David Kay is just talking to himself here. I, I do like this where it's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, Grimlock and Optimus are just, just talking, but like the dynamic between Grimlock and Optimus has always been interesting across different iterations. Like in G1, they had a very tenuous, contentious relationship to say nothing about the Marvel comics where, you know, Grimlock is just straight up a usurper, but it is kind of some of that, that age of extinction movie vibe. But one of the things, and it there's, it's all subtext. I, I, I don't have anything to point to, but there's this underlying tension of these characters just naturally do not like each other. Like, like there, there's a vibe yeah. from Optimus where he's, he's almost disgusted by these Dinobots. He's almost offended by their, by their very presence. Cause like there's something in his tone when he's just like, we've come to talk. We will not hurt you. Yeah. And I think the Dinobots sniff out that insincerity instantly. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what, what puts them at odds, but you get more tension between Optimus and his friends when the Dinobots reveal themselves in their, in their robot modes. And, you know, again, prime just can't help himself. It's like, he's kind of like on a, I don't know, existential skid. Like he's, (laughs) he's, he's lost it so much to where I don't think reconciliation is even on his mind. I don't think he even cares who he offends or like the, the emotional damage or the wreckage or, or wake that he leaves behind because he turns to Bokeh. He's like, Oh, something else you forgot to tell me. And that line could be casual or, or even with like a, an easy shrug or almost a smile, but here it's dripping with snark and Optimus Prime is not a snarky character, but like, all of these lines are just like, I mean, again, it has, it almost kind of has that Dante Hicks clerks. Like I'm not even supposed to be here today. Energy. Um, yeah. Well, it's petty. It's a little bit petty for prime to kind of bring this up at this point. And, uh, I think that just points more to, to his insecurity. And, uh, you know, it's more about how secrets are being kept from him than, than about kind of doing the right thing and, and moving forward here. That's what, that's, what's kind of making this prime, in this episode interesting to me because he's doing the right thing. He knows ultimately what the big strokes need to be, but he's out here fucking around on Dinobot Island because, you know, he's got to do things right. And I guess I got to shape things up around here. Like right. 
and we see later, uh, he should have been back in the city. You know, if he hadn't had to be micromanaging these two, yeah. uh, you know, that things wouldn't have gotten so out of hand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, to reiterate, you see this version of Optimus is young. He's, you know, he's, he's learning. And I think that's interesting. Th- this, this is a, a young manager that doesn't know what he's doing type of type of thing, you know, biting off more than yeah. he could chew from the perspective of like, you know, everyone, everyone else is lost except for me. You know, you know, he, he's, uh, he's, he's river Phoenix, Indiana Jones, basically at that point, he's like, everyone's lost except <laughs> yeah. for me. And it's like, so he's, he's so self-sure and assured of himself that, he he doesn't even believe in this mission, but he's like, I don't, I don't trust anyone else to do it. So I have to do it myself, which ends up again, as you said, um, ends up being a huge mistake. But I do like this, uh, this exchange here where Optimus is like, Hey man, we're not here to hurt you. And one of my, uh, we saw this in the, in survival of the fittest with re- regards to uh meltdown. It's like when, when Grimlock flips it around, it says, Dinobots hurt you. It's like, yeah. we're not here to hurt you. Well, yeah, we're here to hurt you. It's like, <laughs> I, I love, I love those uh, uh, types of exchanges. And Prowl really tries to be like, he, he's, he, he's really trying to Chris Pratt it here. He's all like, whoa. Whoa, man, put, 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 putting the hands up and stuff. Oh, which... my gosh. I need to commission that artwork from somebody of Prowl having the hand out and like the uh, Grimlock, animated Grimlock yeah. bowing down to him. I oh my need God. that in my life now. And there's three of them, too, so that could work because there's yes. three Dinobots and three Raptors. And it's like, oh, we yeah. have to talk to somebody about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like that a lot. And but it's like. Well, hey man, you know, remember, like we're we're the good guys, and and um, uh, Grimlock does this thing, and he, you know, it's a reprise of what we, you know, it's like, um, you know, cars and trucks bad, you know, that that kind right. of thing. But we get he he since amended it. <laughs> He's like, you know, cycle and car robots good, truck robot bad. He he's still <laughs> he he's still a monkey not truck. He's he's still a beast wars yeah. fan here. <laughs> Which, yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is kind of like AI machine learning at this point. Like yep. it, you know, he he had his first if then statement and now it's like subtly broken down. Like it really is kind of cool to see Grimlock sort of learning here. And, and, and Prowl's like, no. Truck robot. Good. Our friend. <laughs> eh, we're all kind of pissed at him, if I'm being honest. But exactly. he is pretty okay. It'd be funny if he just did like a little hand wave. He's like, good-ish. Uh, good adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, so cer- cer- certainly lawful good, but still, yeah. it's like... <laughs> Right, right. So this, so this uh, back and forth goes on a little bit, but I think what's really interesting about the scene is that ultimately it doesn't work. Uh, even Prowl and Bulkhead can't seem to swing the Dinobots to their side. Um, I think that was, you know, it, it's kind of a ballsy move to have this sort of mission to come out here and then it doesn't work. Like, I think that's a really kind of adult, mature storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and worse, you know, now they're going home empty handed from this. And if they like if things couldn't get worse, Ratchet chimes in and it's like the key's been stolen. 
So <laughs> like talk about kick Optimus while he's down. Yeah. And this is where you get some real self-loathing Optimus here. He, he Oh, it's great. Yeah. And, and he, he kind of deserves to eat some shit at this point. Yeah. Things are going really bad for him. His, the vocal performance here is just dripping uh, with, with the, the cracks in the heroic veneer, right? Uh, maybe Bumblebee is right. I'm not cut out to lead this team. Like it's really subtle. It's really soft and I really like it. Yep. Yep. And back in the city, things are no different. They're also going from bad to worse. Uh, Starscream's laying siege to Sumdak Tower, the source of the signal. Can we talk about this transformation sequence? Because, like, yeah. y'all trying to get lawsuit here. It's just like, <laughs> I'm like, so first of all, you get you get the speed lines, which which I like. You, you see uh starscream go go through the motions there but then his legs flip out and i'm like so i'm i'm in a i'm in a dark conference room by myself in the middle of the night and i'm like you can't do that do you want to get sued <laughs> so so yeah so he he he, he goes full gearwalk mode for just a sec you know look looking like a, a macross or robotech oh, or yeah. whatever right um, so it's like i mean that that obviously was uh, done on purpose which is so funny because starscream didn't even have that transformation scheme that's that's more of a yeah. jet fire situation but still it's like i mean again they put that in there deliberately oh, for but, sure for sure but regardless it is super cool though i'm i'm sure your little audio ears pricked when uh his blasters went off because that was straight up the g1 laser sound yep uh so cool to hear that very very cool stuff i love it i love it yeah so he he flies in blasts a hole in the tower uh it re it reveals megatron's head there in some lab and this scene surprised me in its subtlety. I didn't know, you know, even as many times as I've rewatched it, I couldn't remember exactly how this plays out. But there was something sort of stoic about these two, you know, standing in front of each other. It, you know, it was great. It has that sort of reminiscent of like Poe Dameron when he first uh, interacts with uh, Kylo Ren in Force uh -huh. Awakens uh -huh. and probably some other more classic duos. I don't know why my brain went right to that. Sure. Um, but I just loved it. And there's that moment of silence. And then Megatron says, look what the capacitor dragged in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Like of all the places that first line could go. I loved it. I loved what they did with it. And and this whole back and forth is magnificent. Oh. It's like, he's like, oh man, Megatron, you're alive. And, and you look terrific. It's, it's great. And <laughs> oh, then, it's just dripping with tension and snark and compliment and betrayal. Like it's all there. Yeah, both of them. It's like, oh yeah, you you know, you look so great. And 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 Megatron's it's like, oh, how good is it to be reunited with my most devoted and faithful subject? <laughs> like, oh, in my time of need. It's so yeah. funny. But yeah. like, but it, but it's it, it's interesting. In, in this in this whole thing, because like you mentioned that moment of silence and it it, re, it it makes me think of prize fighters trying to like feel each other out, you know, just kind of like 
It's like, okay, so who who's going to make uh, the first move? And it reminds me of the Marvel versus DC comic book from, from the 90s. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with it, but basically, like, it's, you know, Marvel and DC had a, had a crossover, and there was votes on, like, who who would win in the, in the matchups. But, like, one of my very favorite fights in that comic is Batman versus Captain America. Because basically they're like two dudes. They're like at the height of human potential. And I remember fans being really pissed off about it at the time because it's one of those things. It's a fight that's not really a fight. It's a lot of them just like staring at each other. And then like one throws a blow and the other one blocks it. You know, the other one throws a kick and the other one blocks it. So it's a lot of like just tension i mean it's and this goes on for like nine panels of them just like staring at each other and it's almost like both of them are having the fight in their in their minds and knowing what all the moves are so much so to where they don't actually have the fight so it's right, it, it's right. like something else like intervenes or some some such oh, it like was that very yeah it's very kill bill uh samurai old western gunfight like there's just there's yeah. just that right amount of you know we don't need to fight we're we're so we're such yeah. fighters we don't need to fight even at this yeah. point and and in such a short relatively short time we just get that dynamic of they both need each other in a way but they both hate each other uh, I just think this is some of the best setup between these two sort of legacy characters that we know so much about. And we know that they have this tension. I think this show in particular does a good job of like fueling why that's there. Yeah. So, and Starscream continues. He's like, hey man, I would have come sooner, oh grand and illustrious leader. But naturally we all assumed you perished at the hands of the Autobot scum. What great joy to discover you did not and actually that that is becoming one of my favorite uh starscream phrases because tom kenny's starscream says it all the time autobot scum i just yeah. I, I just like it he, he says it so often and and it and it's great but yeah it's and megatron's like oh well you know yes delight is written all over your face but like the thing that 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 was really popping for me is that this is a conversation about loyalty and betrayal. And it's interesting that Megatron knows that Starscream betrayed him, but Starscream doesn't know that Megatron knows that Starscream. Yeah. Betrayed. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting where they're just kind of like, again, competing monologues and really trying to feel each other out. It's like, what does this guy know? What doesn't he know? So when, when Starscream says something about the Autobots and, and Megatron's like, Oh yeah, right. The Autobots. That's that's, (laughs) you're, you're, you're still going with that. Huh? All right. All right. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's fantastic dialogue. It's so good. And again, like we're, we're spending entire minutes pulling it apart, but all of this just happened so fast and in, in such quick succession, Um, you know, just, just delightful. I mean, again, like the, the vocal performances in this show are terrific. And in this episode in particular, I, I feel like, everybody brought their game for uh for the finale this feels like we're we're oh, not yeah. le- we're not leaving anything out on the field it's it's so good absolutely yeah so this and then this presents a weird situation because with ratchet dismembered and the other bots away on their recruiting mission 
little rogue Bumblebee is the best candidate to take on Starscream at the tower. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his hero moment, his time to shape up. And we, we definitely see it in Bumblebee's resolve. He has that moment of like, yep, it's me. I got to do this. And it was very like mature for, for what we've seen of Bumblebee. Well, and, and he's even perceptive enough to call for help. Like he's brave, but like he's learned some of that lesson from nature calls where it's like, yeah, I, I need help, but I also need to be brave, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So it's like, yeah, it's a nice payoff it, of what we've seen. And, and I love, I, I, I love this so much. He's like trouble at Sundak tower. It begins with a star and ends with a scream. I think that's yeah. a, that's a great way of putting it because Starscream hasn't been seen for what since uh by the autobots hasn't been seen since the pilot basically yeah. like he disappeared in in an explosion of all spark energy and for all they knew he was dead so yeah and i was gonna say uh my my partner kate was watching this episode with me and that that moment really like pricked her ears she kind of really liked that starts mm-hmm. the star ends the scream thing uh that was really fun i think that's a great little line and and from there uh if i may it it cuts to like my favorite transition of the entire show, maybe the entire series, because you have this sort of like Shakespearean comical scene where Starscream's just sitting there next to Megatron's head and says something to the effect of, Oh, what a pity, my liege, to see you in such a helpless and unprotected state. Why, practically anyone could just walk right in here and terminate you. And then just instantly Bumblebee just kool-aid man's into the building right just stingers blazing just screaming uh, his face yeah. off it's so good <laughs> oh man it's one of my favorite that was a big cheering moment for me and i don't know if i was like laughing crying or or just screaming you know because i uh i had a big reaction to that but like i had um uh just a big just as big of a reaction to uh the scene before that first of all you know bumblebee calls for help and then again optimus being old dante over here he's like will this day ever end you know just just keeps getting better (laughs) yeah but like with this intercutting you see bumblebee is moving quickly but you don't quite know why because like the background is moving very quickly, but he's in robot mode and you kind of see his 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 shoulders and his arms moving and it becomes my favorite trope wheels on heels because he dude's been healing this whole time uh, just as he goes to squeeze himself into this elevator. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, wheels on heels. <laughs> I love it. Party. I, I mean, yeah, man, awesome. we, we, we've got so many button ideas for, for two mics, two furious uh, merch right. here. I mean, we got to have yeah, like seriously. so many missiles, wheels on heels. <laughs> yeah, um, for real. Yeah. Uh, so Starscream kind of, I think this is funny because Starscream kind of laments that the thing he's most mad about is that Bumblebee ruined his speech. Not that he just busted in guns blazing. You That happened, but but Megatron we see is just had enough, and this is where Sumdak appears, and uh, Megatron keeps up the ruse for even just a little bit longer. He now we sort of see him like uh, enjoying his performance as this, yes. you know, this autobot. Like he's got he's got one chance to uh, keep up this character one last time, and he takes it. 
but time is running out. So we can also see him trying to kind of speed things up and move along. And, and some deck says he'll do his best to get Megatron back online. And Megatron says something to the effect of, I will too. So, so being he grabs he, like an iPad or something like that or some, yeah, some, some right. Some, right. Cause he doesn't want to miss the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So being Starscream, duke it out a little bit. And while some deck works, uh, Lugnut comes face to face with his true Supreme leader. It's kind of a beautiful moment for them. The, the sort of seeing him after, you know, it's almost like that dog that's been crossing the United States. It's like a homeward bound journey situation. Yeah, yeah, uh, getting yeah. to see him again. So yeah, ultimate ultimate simp uh, gets his gets his moment, and it kind of final proves that. Uh, I love that moment where I didn't even know I needed it, but it kind of proves that you know Megatron was there. He wasn't just hearing a voice in his head. He wasn't crazy. Now people kind of have to believe him. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I love uh, I love this exchange. And like so basically like Lugnut is all like we, we have come for our glorious leader. And and um, Megatron is almost apathetic. I don't I don't know if that's the right phrasing for it, but he's like, I am here, Lugnut. It's like it's it's just like yes, worship me, um, yeah. And then it's and it, it's so good because like Lugnut, I wrote this down in my notes. Uh, Lugnut falls to his knees like Wayne and Garth before Alice Cooper. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're stuck. <laughs> talking yes. about. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But then he's got this great over the shoulder line. What, wait a sec. What what happened to your body? To which Megatron responds for like the third time from a character in this episode. Long story. That uh, right. <laughs> again, we're we're really getting into that 2000 and late uh, vernacular here. Everything's just like you know over over the shoulder delivery. You know, ah, long story. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Lugnut in this moment is kind of playing the same uh, role that that uh, Bulkhead had earlier in the episode where he kind of spills it about the Dinobots. Now Lugnut sort of lets it out to Sumdak that like he's the leader of the Decepticons. It's a nice little kind of uh, bookend moment for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as to borrow some of Megatron's phrasing, the capacitors out of the bag. Uh, yep. Now Sumdak knows that that he, in fact, is the leader of the Decepticons. Couldn't be more opposite from what he told Sumdeck. Absolutely. And and it's so funny because, like, first, Bulkhead is using his his claw hand to kind of kind of smush down on Sumdeck a little bit. It's like, no, we we kneel to Megatron around here. That that's kind of how we do. Yeah. But because of oh, like great the, because of like the animation and stuff I wrote down, he's smushing him like a mellow marsh. Or is it a swamp mellow? Or is it a marshmallow? <laughs> I mean, you get yeah. you get a lot of springiness as 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 Lugna is kind of pushing down on uh, little Isaac Sumdex's rotund body there. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, from a human standpoint, it probably would have squashed him. But but there's in an, in the animated world, we're just like, yeah, that seems like how Sumdex would be kind of squishy. <laughs> seems yes, right. Yeah, very the sp- physics are correct there. Yeah, <laughs> very springy, like a sponge cake or something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe maybe he's got an adamantium skeleton. Maybe he gave himself some hit of his own robotic upgrades or something oh, that'd like be that. Really I, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but as you said, the capacitor is out of the bag, and this 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 exchange is 
is as funny as it is heartbreaking because like poor Isaac Sumdak, what a, you know, for as brilliant of a scientist and engineer is he's a real dummy. Cause he's like Decepticons. You, but wait a second. You told me you were an Autobot aside from like the, the red eyes and all of that other stuff. And- towering over them in every way uh you're just the lowly autobot in the group that everyone forgot about (laughs) and yeah this is great he's like and i hated every moment of that humiliating charade but no more (laughs) right right and uh, yeah there's comedy and tragedy here right because uh this moment where it gave me chills a little bit to be like when megatron kind of invites somebody to stay and watch since he couldn't done it without him right like that's sort of the ultimate slap in the face you can do to this guy well and and to take that even a step further lugnut puts Sumdak in the hand chair so that so that he could he could bear witness yeah and and of course here you get as Blitzwing inserts the AllSpark key into uh, Megatron's head, you get a reprise of the classic Sumdak gasp. <sighs> and this um, this sequence is pretty cool of Megatron reconstituting his body. Yeah, well, there's something just sort of like, the, you know, the coils glowing, the frayed wires and cables all cinching together mm-hmm. in this, you know, macabre rebirth uh that that reemerges Megatron like yeah. it's so it's perfect for this. It's a lot of like Tetsuo the Iron Man type of situation too because he's like you know just like grabbing like you know the the steel and and bolts out of the wall, tearing this lab apart for uh, materials for this body, and I couldn't tell if it was a sideways reference or not. I I was hoping at an episode that is rotten with transformers the movie references i i was hoping for maybe a little more purple or maybe like like a green uh wireframe grid pattern or even maybe like the the michelin man uh type of thing but i i can see that all of those things would have been too on the nose like could you imagine like it, it would I've talked myself out of it. It would have been kind of lame if suddenly it turns to like the, the black background with the green wireframe and it's all purple glow. And then the Michelin man comes up though. I would have liked to have seen like the, like the full scan to see like all of his innards and stuff. That would have been pretty dope. My point being is like, it didn't need to be that sequence. And I'm kind of glad that it's its own thing. I love the, the cascading of sound effects. Like anytime like wires are cinching together, it's like, you know, it's like, eat. Yeah. I, I, I like it when you can take the transformation sound and do some different stuff with it. Um, terrific. Oh, sequence. totally. Yeah. And everything, everything co- coalesces, you know, we talked kind of about moving your pieces into play. Now everyone, the key players are all back in the city. You know, the music swells, the tower glows red and from its ashes, you, you know, erupts the Decepticon Phoenix himself. Megatron just blows the fucking roof off some deck towers and just the most metal entrance possible. Oh. Uh, and we end on it to be continued with prime, just looking mortified at his return. Yeah. I love this. I love this because like it's um, so much happens again. I love the sequence so much like the sound design rules. The visuals are great, 
but uh, Starscream is up on the roof with Bumblebee, and he he's about to finish him off. And then, as uh, as you said, you see the the explosion. But like uh, Prime says something. No, uh, it's Bulkhead. Bulkhead says something to the effect of like, "Well, I guess Bumblebee didn't listen because he's uh, stuck in that in that <laughs> thing." And right. even even as as Megatron has emerged like it's happening optimus can't help himself he's like yes it's becoming quite a habit you know where he's like let it go man yeah it's (laughs) like stop it stop it but like i love this this final sequence where starscream is shocked like oh gosh but optimus prime terrified like he's he's got like the glistening anime eyes and just the look of abject Fear and terror tells you everything you need to know about the uh, the return of Megatron, and yeah, that is, that is the end of part one of Megatron Rising. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, so good. You know, yeah the whole the whole build up to this, even calling the episode Megatron Rising, like everything is just perfect here. This is exactly what I need from the from the end of this part one. Absolutely. And then so, yeah, it uh, it just picks right back up into uh, in, into part two. And before we uh, uh, before we jump into part two, do you need to go refill any beverages? Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to Mike's Too Furious at Gmail dot com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mikes Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mikes Too Furious. 